0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors Podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So, the Warriors played one of the longest games of my life. They beat the Sacramento Kings in game three at Chase Center, 114.97, in a game that they 100% absolutely had to have. Now, I say it is the longest three and a half quarters. Of my life because <laughs> there was so much riding on this game, just plain and simple, not just going down 03. It was, you know, Draymond being out, Gary Payton, a late scratch in this game. It meant that a whole world of change was going to happen to this Warriors team if they lost this game. Now, don't get me wrong. They can go on to uh, cough up game four at home and then we're in the same boat. But this one was an absolute must-have. And the way they'd been playing versus the Kings in Sacramento, you know, you were concerned, obviously. The questions about how they played in Sac, though, it was like they weren't getting blown out. They were in each of those games. They had leads in those games, but they couldn't close it. And, you know, that's fair for being on the road. We thought they would get a split at least, and it didn't happen. So uh, just looking at it, being down 0-2, it's like you had to get this one. And change to this team might still come if they lose this series, if they lose the next series, if they even (laughs) go deep into the playoffs. That's just the reality of their salary situation, the upcoming uh, new CBA, all that stuff. But what we hoped for in this game was that being at home, the Warriors support staff, the others on this team would step up. They just had to, you know, it was all hands on deck without Draymond and then without Gary Payton, II. And, you know, this team overall, they showed the energy, the focus, the effort, that they needed it was like the <laughs> it was the required degree of desperation and intensity that you know they needed to uh, you know make these kings fold sooner than later and you know let's be honest like the warriors they were playing for this season and next season the future right but they showed up and. Every single person contributed. Not everybody had a great game, but the energy on both ends of the court, it was impressive. It was beautiful to see. And that was the playoff basketball that we needed. First and foremost, got to give props to both Steph and Kavon Looney. Steph, 37 minutes, 12 for 25, 6 for 12 from the field, 6 for 6 from the line, 6 boards, 3 assists, uh, 2 steals. Thirty-six points plus twenty-four. Kavon Looney, thirty-one minutes, two for six only, twenty boards. Yeah, nine offensive boards, nine assists, uh, one steal, four points plus twenty-one. Now, when Draymond was suspended, it was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) You know, the Kings aren't a huge team, but they'd been having trouble with Sabonis, obviously our favorite guy, but. It was a question of could on Looney uh, compete? Could he play longer minutes? Could he stay out of foul trouble? Dude only had one foul. So good on him and also, you know, thank you refs. <laughs> but 31 minutes is a lot for Looney in general. So, you know, just his ability to keep plays going, uh, just watching him in uh, a sea of Kings jerseys tipping the ball to himself, uh, tipping it to a teammate, you know, slapping it out for an offensive board. Those things were huge. And, uh, you know, he's so underrated. And it's crazy to me because the last two times he's been a free agent, he has not gotten many good offers. I understand that a lot of people are concerned about his health. You know, a lot of it is also that They think he's just a cog in the Warriors system and not somebody who can go into any other system and do things. But, like, he is so dang important to this team. And without him, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea what they do. I mean, they would be basically playing like Jamichael Green and going small the whole time, like, really small. Steph, he put this team on his back. He was aggressive. He attacked. He should have gotten more free throws, in my opinion. But you know, we know how that goes. There were a couple times <laughs> shooting threes. He got hit. He got bumped. A uh, couple layups, drives. But you know, it is what it is. Andrew Wiggins. I just got to say that I'm still really impressed. This is his third official NBA game <laughs> since what around Valentine's Day. And I just love the confidence and aggression that he's showing, right? Like in game one, game two, he's not necessarily like forcing the issue, but he's taking his shots and you could tell that he understands the team needs him to step up and he does 34 minutes, eight for 16 from the field, three for six from three. So his legs and that shot are coming back, uh, seven boards Three assists, 20 points plus 17. Solid. Solid. Uh, Love to see playoff wigs, and he did a great job on the defensive end. You just want to keep that going. Jordan Poole got the start. Both he and Clay did not shoot well. Poole was only four for 13, one for seven from three in 28 minutes, but he did get to the line eight times, seven for eight. Clay only five for 15, three for 10 from three. But he hit some big dagger shots uh, in the fourth quarter as, you know, the game was kind of still maybe within reach, you know, like the mid-teens and everything like that. But he quickly just, you know, put that to rest. And it was all good vibes after that. I have to say that the tempo of this game, it was was fun, the energy. You know what I mean? And it felt like the longest game because – So much was riding on it, like I said, but also because we know that this team can let the rope slip, that they can lose focus, that they can make enough errors for a team as good as the Kings and a team, as we saw in the regular season, as bad as, say, the Detroit Pistons or Charlotte Hornets. They can allow those guys to get back into the game. And the Warriors, they had, what, a 12-point lead at half and then... You know, the Kings trimmed it down to like eight and it's like, okay, okay. You know, like (laughs) tighten back up because this is kind of a pattern that we've seen throughout the season. So that's why you're like always tense, right? Again, we know what this team can be when they execute with this kind of focus and intensity, but we also know what they can be when they let the foot off the gas or just, you know, start uh, mentally staring off into no man's land, you know what I mean? And getting distracted. So good on them. And the stakes are just as high next game with Draymond and Gary Payton, the second back. This was a game of desperation. And hopefully they carry that into game four on Sunday, because you can't just be like, okay, we got it. And Draymond and GP2 are back. And then, all of a sudden you let your guard down. The Kings are gonna come after it. You know what I mean? They themselves are thinking we just need one at Chase Center. The same way we were like, hey, the Warriors just need one uh at Golden One Arena. So this is uh a good, satisfying victory. It was a glimpse into a lot of things. It was a glimpse into what this Warriors team, how they can play when they're just completely on. But it's also kind of a glimpse into what life is like. Without Draymond Green but you know that's an interesting thought for later down the road hopefully way later down the road (laughs) the refs they did the Warriors a solid at the beginning of this one I'll be honest if people are ever going to complain about refs it's like hey the refs got the Warriors into the bonus pretty early in the first quarter and you know the Warriors, they, they tried driving a little bit, but then they also settled for a bunch of threes and they were not shooting well. They were actually shooting really terribly. They shot like 16 threes. They were still in the 30% range, but like the Kings, they actually shot way worse from three. So at the end of the day, the Warriors shot 16 of 50. Again, they hit 53s or they shot 53s, 32%, but the Kings only shot 23% on 11 of 47. The fouls, the Warriors, 19 fouls, the Kings, 22. Turnovers, only 11 versus 15. Now, 11 is a very, very, very good number of turnovers for uh, any team, especially the Warriors. I used to talk about last season, last playoffs, like keep it under 12. And they did that here. So, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And, you know, part of it is because that level of urgency and playing at home and taking care of each and every possession. And also, you know, Hey, Draymond and Steph were the ones tossing it around the gym, the first couple of games. And at least Draymond wasn't there to make these long uh, lofting passes that get picked off. So that was actually a, a plus. Moses Moody got some playing time. I mean, the thing about Moody is obviously he did not play much at all in the regular season. So it's like, yo, is he just good in the playoffs <laughs> in Kerr's mind? But with Peyton out, with Draymond out, clearly Steve Kerr, you know, his trust in Kaminga is a little up and down, but he went with Moody 16 minutes, four for seven from the field, two for five from three, three for three from the line, three boards, 13 points. I mean, that's a big deal. That is prime time for him. Always appreciated that people said, and it's clearly the case that he was always prepared, waiting for his number to get called, always ready to get into a game, ultimate professional, you know, at 20 years old. And his length and his energy and him battling for rebounds. And on defense, he didn't look too bad he figured some stuff out and didn't get burned the way that we're used to seeing him get burned by quicker dudes. So I was really, really impressed with that. Again, he carries himself really well and Kaminga did get some time. Uh, He had 13 minutes, three for seven from the field, misses two three-pointers, two boards, one steal, one assist, six points. And those six came on some pretty impressive dunks. And that is at the very least, what you need from him, you know, because no one else on the team can bring that. He In the first half, he tried to take uh, Alex Len's head off, but got fouled. Uh, so, you know, even though he didn't have the greatest overall floor game, Kaminga was able to contribute in a way that's unique to him. You know what I mean? So that's good. And then in the second half, we saw Moses Moody and John Kaminga on the court at the same time in a playoff game. I was like, "Wait, are you kidding me? I had to like rub my eyes. I was like, Oh man, this is this is beautiful. I think I'm gonna cry <laughs> because they did well, and I want to see those young dudes contribute and it's helpful that they're at home, right benches don't travel as well, but this was one of those games where uh you know they were able to kind of look the part you know everybody was just like. They looked so focused. I don't think I'd ever seen this team this focused. And (laughs) I'd always wondered when, when, when would that happen? (laughs) In their first must win game of the season, the playoffs, there you go. That's when it happens. So they have to continue this nonstop. This is the first round. And I'm not saying that The first round is going to be a slog. So if they make it to the second round, it's going to be a slog. It's all matchup based, right? It's all matchup based. And I think this Kings team has proven that they are not afraid of the bright lights, which makes sense because even though they're much younger than a lot of the Warriors um, main players, they are not like rookies or second year players, you know, they've been around the league for a minute and then their speed You know, and then Mike Brown and his intimate knowledge of the Warriors. So, when you look at that, those are distinct uh, characteristics of this Kings team that have given the Warriors some issues and some problems and will continue to throughout this series. But then in other series, you know, again, matchups are different. How would the Warriors match up versus the Grizz or the Lakers? You know, totally different topic, but they need to keep bringing this every single time. Dante DiVincenzo. I felt like that dude had his hand on every rebound, on every loose ball throughout the game. 27 minutes, didn't shoot well, only two for eight, one for five from three, Uh, only hit one of his two free throws, seven boards, eight assists, four steals, six points. I mean, how you like me now? I mean, talk about making up for those first two games where he didn't look playable because he couldn't stay in front of Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox. So, DiVincenzo, uh, this was the game we had wanted to see from him. You know, I talked about in the last episode how the guys that we've relied on throughout the season off the bench, I talked about in, uh, right before the playoffs, how like, okay, well, you know, off the bench, we got, you know, Poole, DiVincenzo, uh, Kaminga, and Gary Payton II. And you're like, okay, that is pretty, pretty solid. So, going into those first two games, you felt good. But then when they weren't all producing, and a lot of them, <laughs> like Pool, DiVincenzo, and Kaminga in particular, they were giving you very, very little, right? And in some cases, they were giving you some negative minutes. So for all of those hiccups and flaws, it's like, okay, they're back to showing who they can be. Again, they have to be able to close out these games at home and then steal one in Sacramento. And it's crazy to me to wonder if they can do that, but you know, I think they can, but they just have to be able to prove it. It would have done a lot for their confidence to have stolen one in Sacramento because now it's just like (laughs) in your head like, oh man, we still can't win a road game that we really, really need. But you know, hopefully after this game, hopefully after a good game four win, fingers crossed, that they uh, will have the confidence to go to Sacramento and pull one out. So this series with every, every, <laughs> every game, the dynamic and the expectations change, right? So like down 0-2, okay, Warriors are in a very bad spot. The Warriors get one. It's like, okay. This series is, you know, on par and you get Draymond and GP2 back. You have this energy, you have, you found this focus. So you should be able, knock on wood, to get game four. But again, this is a Warriors team that has been very Jekyll and Hyde. They will show you that they've turned the corner and then all of a sudden, you know, drop a stinker. I'm hoping that is not the case. I mean, it better not be the case because, you know, maybe this level of intensity that they've shown in this game, in game three, you know, that's a, that's a new level for them this year. Right. So maybe they found something. Maybe, maybe, you know, you know, defensively, uh, I appreciate that everybody was just fighting that attention to detail on the defensive end and that effort. I mean, they got to be able to package that and take it on the road consistently. So, you know, this is what, Overall, we really, really want to see the rebound battle. The Warriors had 59 boards versus 53 for the Kings. And maybe most importantly or more importantly, they had 18 offensive rebounds and only 13 for the Kings. And the Kings, you know, offensive rebounds, that was what was hurting the Warriors, especially in game two. The Warriors showed me something in this one, but... You know, until they can string a couple of these together, it's like, great. You ride the high of this one, but, you know, got to get back to work and put in the work and come out fighting because, again, the Kings are going to be like, okay, we just need one. If we get one in chase center, then the series is over effectively, right? Because then the Warriors are down 1-3 and... Going back to Sacramento. But I do have to say that, hey, DeMontis Abonis, man, for a uh, chest contusion <laughs> that forced you to get an x ray and to force your status for the game to be questionable, then, wow, you're a minor medical miracle. As expected, the Kings bench did not play as well as they did at home. Malik Monk, only one for nine, 0 for four from three. Two for two from the line, only four points. That is big, right? All of a sudden, the Malik Monk we were seeing in Sacramento has turned into Malik Monk that we kind of know in general, which is like he can put up big, crazy numbers, but then he could also go cold. And he's somebody that you have to attack on the defensive end as well. And, you know, I thought they did a good job of doing that. Trey Lyle's a guy who had hurt the Warriors in the first two games. 13 minutes, 0 for 6, 0 for 4 from 3, 2 points. That's good. Anyway, feeling good about this one. And, uh, you know, you live to fight another day. So catch you after Game 4 on Sunday. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors, check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review, saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful.